the Samsung Neo QLED 8K TV featuring incredible color volume with 8K AI upscaling powered by 20 neural networks on an impossibly slim screen is the kind of TV that's so visually astounding, so unfathomably well-designed, it has to be seen to be believed. Don't believe me? Well, okay then. Radio has its limits. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. Welcome to your Vibrant Life Podcast. My name is Haley, and my mission is to help busy, burnt-out individuals increase their energy naturally and discover how good their bodies are designed to feel. If you're struggling with digestion, body image, or fatigue, you're in the right place. On this podcast, I will be providing you with the simple and effective strategies that me and my clients use to feel vibrant every day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now let's get into today's episode. All right, friends, welcome back to your Vibrant Life podcast. I am so excited to be here today with a very special guest. And I want to tell you guys a little bit of backstory, first of all. So I was down in Vancouver, I actually went down to Kamloops in the interior of BC to attend a bodybuilding show and then travel down to Vancouver to hang out with a few of the coaches who are in the same business coaching academy as myself and to do some filming at the gym. And I ended up going on the Friday evening over to one of the other coaches' houses. And we were all kind of sitting around, had reservations at a pretty cool bar later on, but having a couple of drinks and didn't really chat to the other girls that came in, just said hi. They seem super friendly. I like their vibe. And it wasn't until Larissa and I were in the back of the Uber together when we started chatting and we realized that we had this intense, intensely similar passion for health and wellness and gut health and chatted up the entire Uber until we got to the bar and then sat in the bar for a while, continuing to talk about gut health and then decided we should do a podcast together. So here we are. Welcome, Larissa. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm incredibly happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we can uh, continue our Uber conversation over a podcast. <laughs> yeah, me too. And actually, you guys, we have introduced Larissa to our private Facebook community as a prescribing naturopath in BC. And so she is pinned to the top of our Facebook group. And I've already had a couple of my clients reach out to her, which is really cool. So Larissa is an, a naturopathic doctor. And uh, Larissa, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story? You know, what got you into holistic or homeopathic medicine? And uh, what makes you so passionate about your, your practice? Because I know when I met you, that was the one thing that really stood out to me was your passion. Well, first off, thanks. My story starts, honestly, a while ago. I was a competitive figure skater. I was at a high level of ice dance in Canada, and uh, I was really injured. I had low back pain, groin pain, you name it. I probably experienced it from a pain level and to a point where I had to stop skating because I was in so much pain. And then uh, my mom said, why don't you go see a naturopath? And I eat my words now. But what I said to my mom at the time was, what's a naturopath going to do for me? Chant and throw fairy dust. And I know it's funny now because full circle, here I am. But I didn't really know what they did. And I just thought it was kind of woo woo. And I said, what are they going to do for me? And she said, just go see them, shush, go see this person. And I did. And in like six months, she completely changed my life. It was the first time I sat down and someone actually asked me what I was eating. 
And keep in mind, I was a high level athlete too, but what I was putting in my body mattered. We did some injections for pain and not just cortisone, like stuff to actually heal the root cause. And we did some lab work. So it was all very wonderful. And I was about six months or so away from starting physio school. And I looked at her and I said, what did you do to learn this? Because I want to do what you're doing. And she kind of guided me along my path. And here I am. This is probably six years ago now. And here I am full circle, also an naturopathic doctor. And my practice focuses a lot on chronic pain. That's where my background is, but also women's health. And then the nature of the beast being a naturopathic doctor, we see a ton of gut stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know that's what we're going to dive into today, which is one of my favorite subjects, especially as someone who you know coaches for nutrition. We do see a lot of gut health imbalances on the rise. And that feeds into things like hormone imbalances and pain and arthritis and, and pain management too. And so it's a really good place to start. If there's anything you know that you can focus on for your overall health and well-being, it's definitely your gut health in my mind. And I think that Larissa and I both agree on that. So I'm super excited to have this wealth of knowledge in front of me. So let's chat a little bit about why gut health is so important from just looking at the system as a whole. And I have, you know, obviously my, you know, kind of two cents here, but I want to hear yours. Like, why is it so important to start with the gut if you're looking to heal your hormones or to manage pain? Yeah, it's funny. You don't know where to start. Even as a naturopathic doctor, if a chronic case that's really complex comes into my office, I always start with the gut. It controls so many functions in our body, everything from mood to our energy. I mean, it helps produce neurotransmitters. That's why it affects our mood. It helps excrete hormones out of our body autoimmune diseases, skin issues, blood sugar, weight loss, like the list goes on and on and on. So we could try and just pick out all these symptoms. But at the end of the day, if we don't start somewhere that controls a lot of functions, you're just going to be managing all these symptoms instead of finding the root cause. And often the root cause lies in the gut. And this is what makes our medical system so challenging for us as, as holistic health practitioners is because they treat symptoms. And they don't treat root cause. And you know what? If you have a broken leg, definitely go to the doctor. They're going to help you out. They're really good with those like acute kind of situations. But when it comes to the the symptoms that are lasting a long time, it's not just a broken leg or surgery. And we're looking at, you know, long-term care. We can't just be putting band-aids on symptoms. And that's essentially what they're trying to do. They're trying to help you, help you by managing your symptoms. But as a result of that, unfortunately, so many of the medications for pain, so many of the things like birth control for hormone imbalances that they prescribe, I get so upset about that, like prescribing, you know, birth control for endometriosis, for example, they're just masking a symptom. And unfortunately, it negatively impacts the gut, which makes it worse long term. So and then they need more band-aids for the band-aids. Yeah, I was going to touch on that too, with with endo or endometriosis. We have research showing now that there is gut dysfunction and we know endometriosis isn't only a hormone condition. It's an immune system issue. The immune system is reacting to something and often the gut is where a lot of our immune system lies. I don't think over the last couple of years of being in practice, I've seen an endo patient that hasn't had gut issues. Yeah, actually one of my coaches, Samantha Francis, had very severe endo and has healed it through just her lifestyle, managing stress, improving her guts, taking the appropriate supplements. And now that's her focus with with clients. And she has the life experience there to to prove it, right? 
And interestingly enough, some gut bacteria love to recycle estrogen. So there can be obviously that immune response as well, but then our gut is in there packaging up the estrogen our body's trying to excrete and tossing it back into the system. Yeah. And that's when we get that overwhelm of estrogen and then the endometrial tissue spreading. So endometriosis is another podcast. Maybe we can focus yeah. on another day. I did one with Sam and we talked about supplements, but it'd be interesting to go into that immune side because obviously that's some new research that's coming out. Yeah. Cool. The one thing that I, I wanted to focus more in this podcast today, we could probably talk for hours, is more about how the gut actually impacts nutrient absorption. Because we get a lot of people coming to us, you know, as, you know, nutrition coaches, and they may have had blood work or, you know, seen a naturopathic doctor or an ND, and their iron levels are low, or their B vitamins low, or something like that. And what I want to talk about is how it's not just about, you know, smashing in more iron or smashing in more B12, we got to figure out why you're not absorbing it. And maybe it is that you're just, you don't have a balanced diet. That's cool. We can fix that. But if you're not absorbing it, you know, why from, you know, the gut level, what's preventing that nutrient absorption? How can you improve it? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I think first of all, like such a good philosophy to have on things, because again, most people see, oh, my iron's low. I'll just put a supplement in my body or oh, my B12's low, let me just supplement B12. And you're right, sometimes that is lack of nourishment and actual nutrients in our food. But more often than not, I see it associated with gut issues. It can be a bunch of things. So I mean, iron and B12, for example, if your gut is out of balance, meaning your microbiome is off, those bugs eat B12, like they use them as food. And sometimes they eat iron as well. And so they're just basically stealing all your nourishment. There's nothing wrong with supplementing it. But again, if we can rebalance the gut microbiome, I've seen this in patients where we didn't even supplement B12. We just worked on their gut and their B12 went up naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And lots of times if you're taking things like with lots of B12, you're supplementing with it, you might see it like on a high level on your blood test, but that doesn't necessarily mean your body's absorbing and utilizing it. Cool. You just, you know, jacked up the levels on your blood yeah. test. <laughs> it's not really helping anything. So yeah. 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 I was going to say there's a lot of things that can contribute to absorption. So as I said, gut microbiome is one of them. I think the other interesting thing we just maybe don't think about or we don't learn about is that when we put food in our mouth, there's a bunch of different phases of digestion, right? The first one is actually smelling your food and like being calm enough. And that sounds silly, but how many of us grab a granola bar stressed out because we're going to be late for work and eat it in the car and then you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. I talk about this so much with my clients too. Yeah. The stages of digestion, it's huge. You yeah. know, your body needs to know what's coming in and you're not paying attention. And yeah. then there's also the side of the hydrochloric acid. And this one kills me The you know, just take some, take some antacids for that acid reflex, or maybe you need more acid and you need to digest your food. It would be a better start. But anyways, let's focus on first on iron and help people just understand that a little bit, because I actually just did a podcast on iron in the body and how it can actually be harmful to be, you know, slamming in the iron and taking the supplements and getting the injections if your body's inflamed, because there is actually something that will happen in your body that prevents iron uptake if there's gut-derived inflammation. And that's a really big deal. And it's a full circle as well. So iron in high levels is inflammatory itself. So you're just feeding the cycle of inflammation. If your iron is low, that's a different story. Yeah. What did you guys talk about on the podcast? Like, yeah, I was just talking more about, you know, how the gut derived inflammation can increase 
a hormone that blocks the absorption of iron. So taking more iron isn't going to help that. So then if you get the injection and you just, you know, increase your blood levels of iron, okay, cool. Now your blood levels are high, but you're increasing inflammation and that can actually be quite harmful. So I guess my question is, how are they going to reduce the inflammation in order to better improve the absorption of their iron? So is there anything like specific that can actually help with iron uptake and reducing the inflammation for them? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that we know increases absorption of iron is vitamin C. So that that's a big one. And I think a lot of doctors and pharmacists out there recommend you take your iron with vitamin C. That's a common thing that we found in research. It, it gets absorbed better. The other thing is, I mean, yeah, you want to reduce your inflammation and big, big part of that is going to be nutrition and not putting pro-inflammatory foods into the body. And that can be specific from person to person, right? Not everyone's going to have inflammation to dairy or this food or that food, but there are certain foods for different individuals that are, are pro-inflammatory. So for me, dairy and peanuts, hard no, I'm going to have a lot of inflammation in my gut from that, but everybody's different. So I think focusing on nutrition, is one of the big ones, vitamin C helps with absorption. And then the second part of that is what inhibits absorption, because I think that's often forgotten about. So there's phytates, which are found in some like nuts, seeds, grains, things like that, some beans as well. And then there's calcium. So most people take their iron in the morning with like their coffee and coffee and tea inhibit the absorption of iron. And so does calcium. So milk or other things that have calcium in them. Mm-hmm. So taking your iron supplements away from other foods, if you are supplementing for the phytates, soaking your nuts and seeds, I believe, and also cooking your vegetables can help reduce the phytates to increase the absorption. So please don't go raw food vegan on me and you guys anytime soon, because that's really going to slow down your iron levels. And understanding too, the gut does have a kind of a cyclical pattern with seasons as well. So in the winter, even more important for your like warm cooked foods. But if you're the kind of person that's like cold salads, cold smoothies all summer as well, try and do some, you know, maybe cook your veggies and put them on your salad as a cold salad, but not all raw food because that is where those phytates, phytates are going to stay higher. Mm-hmm. Interesting about the pro-inflammatory foods for different people. I know for me, gluten is a huge one, like instant stomach pain, diarrhea for like three days. Like I can't, I can't do it anymore. I just make it a, a rule that I'm going to avoid it. And I haven't gone as far as testing for celiac, but I just have chosen to cut it out. So for some people, how would they, or anyone, I guess, that's curious about finding out what foods are pro-inflammatory for them, how would they find that out? And then would that change if they improve their gut health? Like would those foods be more inflammatory because they don't have the right bacteria? How does that work? That's such a good question. And to be honest, people will have different answers for you. I'll give you my opinion on it, but I want to be very honest that there are lots of different people that will have different opinions on this because we're kind of getting into the world of food sensitivities, right? So what foods are you personally sensitive to that are causing inflammation in your gut? I did a food sensitivity test when I was a student and 27 foods came up on it. That's a lot. Like that's quote unquote leaky gut. And I tried to eliminate them all. And it was like, the worst experience. I couldn't go out and eat with my friends. I was losing weight rapidly, not tr- not trying to though. And I wasn't overweight. And so that wasn't my goal. And it was a, probably, I would label it as a negative experience. So it's hard because you can do food sensitivity testing. And, but the thing is, they're not always incredibly accurate. We have a bunch of different immune proteins in our bodies and food sensitivity testing often just looks at one of them. So it's not incredibly accurate, but it can guide you. It can push you in that direction. 
once I cut these foods out, worked on my gut, put the foods back in, there were probably only two or three that I was now sensitive to. So for me, my gut did change that. And we're not talking allergies, right? Like I can't breathe. I have a rash. We're talking sensitivities that are just creating underlying inflammation. So Yes and no, right? Yeah, and a lot of times the foods that come up high on those lists are the foods you eat the most often. Peanut butter every day on your toast. And that can just be that you have like high levels of those foods coming in all the time and you have leaky gut and then your immune system is going to respond to it. So it's really, again, if you want to have less food sensitivities and less inflammation in your body, heal your gut first and then you'll have more food freedom. And sometimes I tell my clients, like, I don't like pulling out the big guns, but sometimes we got to do that. And the big guns is like that kind of like restrictive approach to dieting, but it's very, very misused in nutrition where it's like, you know, everybody tries to cut it out long-term where it's like, oh, I'm on this, you know, SIBO diet, or I'm on this low fat diet or whatever it is. And I'll do it for months and months and months. And the point is to cut the foods out, allow yourself to heal and then reintegrate those. Because if you don't, you're super limiting your diversity in your gut. And that's one thing that I think gets missed a lot. There's a recent study actually that came out showing the best diet for, or I say diet, but I like to use the word yeah. better, yeah. you know, nutrition plan for gut health that promotes the most microbial diversity. So the different types of gut bugs wasn't vegan, vegetarian, keto, omnivore, whatever label you want to put on it. It didn't matter was what the research study showed. What did matter was you ate more than 30 different plants every week. Yeah. That just tells you right there, if you're following a long-term, very restrictive diet, you're just reducing the amount of gut bugs that are there to help you long-term. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. So we can reduce inflammation by avoiding the food sensitivities, letting the gut heal, and then putting those back in. So basically, if you want to reduce your inflammation, you have to heal leaky. My next question for you, I guess you kind of already answered this, was the B vitamins and the gut health. So we know that doesn't our gut bacteria produce a lot of our B vitamins? Yep. Which ones specifically or all of them? Okay. So most of them, there's mm-hmm. uh, B1, B2, B3, 5, 6, 7, 9, and 12. Mm-hmm. So basically all of them. Yeah, the gut, the microbiome actually produces the B vitamin. And are they responsible for methylating like a, a B5 to the P5P or is it B6? Oh, that's a good question. I would have to look that up. Don't know. Yeah, just curious because I know that some people don't methylate that well. And that's really important for serotonin. Yeah. I mean, so there is the, the MTHFR gene. Yeah. Um, so this one is methylating vitamin B9. But they, there is a genetic basis where some people don't methylate their vitamins and that's when possible. So I, yeah, I sometimes recommend people if they struggle with seasonal depression to find like a, a methylated form, um, a P5P to help with that serotonin synthesis because they may just have, a, they may just be struggling to produce it in the first place to methylate. So, I mean, how familiar are you with like species of bacteria? Could we help people understand what foods are going to produce or support the bacteria that steal your B12 versus bacteria that are going to help produce it for your body. Yeah. I think the difficult part is sometimes with gut health, the imbalance in bacteria is so severe or the issue has been so chronic that sometimes in my practice, I'll actually use herbs to kill off bad bacteria first before we rebuild their gut. And sometimes, especially with SIBO, that needs to be done. If we just jump into gut healing, they get worse. And people, how do I put this? One of the main 
symptoms that indicates that is if you get worse when you take probiotics. Okay. Putting in more good bacteria and you feel worse, that tells me there's a massive imbalance and that we need to maybe look at things differently. So that's step one. Step two, the good bacteria that are going to be producing B vitamins. So when we put fiber and starch into our bodies, they ferment basically, the bacteria ferment them and produce something called short chain fatty acids, which are the fuel for our gut cells. So if we can put fiber and starch and all those type of healthy foods into our body, the bacteria that ferment those will flourish and grow. We're just giving them good soil. Mm-hmm. So more fiber, you guys, more starchy <laughs> fibers and fibers. And I talk about this all the time. And understanding that those foods that come processed and packaged often have fibers stripped right out of them. And so we really want to look for whole foods. I always make the crappy joke, like whole foods, not whole foods, like foods with holes in them, like donuts or whole foods, like whole pizzas, but whole foods, they have to look like they came from the earth. And that's where you're going to find your fiber, honestly, fruits, veggies, grains. And then, yeah, so that's a great conversation to have with with people is, I I think the other thing, the other side of that is we can support the beneficial, but we also want to not support the yeasts and those guys love to steal your B12. So want to make sure that we're cutting back on like super simple sugars um, and refined carbs as much as possible. Not that you can never have a cupcake again, but we just want to make sure that we have a bit of a better balance. It's easy to get into a habit of like a bowl of cereal and then a sandwich with white bread and then, you know, whatever for dinner, pasta for dinner. And all of a sudden you haven't had any fiber. Yep. Okay, cool. Next question for you would be thyroid and gut health, because I know that a lot of my clients that come in that are struggling with their gut health, usually are also struggling with thyroid function and more so the sluggish metabolism, just really struggle to lose weight. So their energy output is poor. So even if we drop their food down, they may be struggling to have that energy balance that allows them to lose weight. So how does your gut health impact your thyroid? Yeah, man, this is a big topic. Mm-hmm. Maybe in another, another entire podcast. Yeah, it, it could be, but we'll, we'll summarize it because it is important. I mean, when we look into thyroid, we have TSH, which is a hormone that gets secreted from your brain and it goes to your thyroid gland and it tells it to produce T3 and T4, which are the thyroid hormones. T4 is inactive. T3 is the active form. So the gut plays a big role. Not only if there's inflammation, it kind of slows everything down, but the gut plays a role because it, we know it converts about 20% of your inactive thyroid hormone to the active thyroid hormone. So if your gut's not functioning, and you just have a bunch of T4 floating around, but not enough T3, which I see all the time mm-hmm. in my practice, you're not going to feel good. You're going to mm-hmm. struggle to lose weight. Your metabolism is going to be slow. You're probably going to be constipated. You're going to have dry skin. Your mood's going to be low. You're going to feel weak. Like there's all these symptoms and hair loss. Hair loss mm-hmm. is one of the symptoms. That was a big one. I lost most of my hair before I started. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. I wore hair extensions when I was probably like 19 to 23. Yeah. Lost oh a lot God. of hair. Yeah. yeah, you have luscious hair now, though. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it's grown back, thankfully. A long, long journey for me with the thyroid. And I know we chatted a little bit about that. And that's maybe a podcast that we can do next time is, is thyroid function, because I would love that. And it's something I've struggled with for years and years. So there's this, a backstory to it that I've kind of recently figured out. And we'll share that in the podcast episode, because I've done lots of the dietary things. And just for our listeners, you guys, 20%, the 20%, imagine 20% less metabolic function. And I put my clients in anywhere from a five to 15 to sometimes 20% deficit, right? And so if you're 
body is sluggish by 20% or you're not producing 20% of those thyroid hormones you need, you're no longer, you know, your energy output is 20% less. And so that means you're below your baseline for your energy output. And that can make it very tough to lose weight. Cool. Last I was going to add one other thing. Yeah. With thyroid too, like the main nutrients that are going to be supporting thyroid hormone production are zinc, selenium, iron, vitamin D. And of course we need iodine as well, but just how many people are deficient in vitamin D a ton? How many people are deficient in iron a ton? And then you're not absorbing your nutrients because your gut's a mess. So, you know, if the nutrients just stay in our gut and they get eliminated instead of getting absorbed back into our bloodstream after we eat something, then it's never going to go to your thyroid. Yeah. You're never going to have that conversion. Oh, my camera's just dying here. Ignore that. So we also have, yeah, the one more thing here would be the vitamin D that you just mentioned. I'd love to chat about that for a second. So vitamin D and how we might be able to improve our body's uptake of vitamin D. And I know for me, recommendations here are typically around supplementation. And I'm wondering if yours is the same. Yeah. So vitamin D, again, it's an interesting one. I tend to go towards supplementation, but I'm always testing. One of the wonderful things about being an ND is that I have access to labs. So in probably, I ran a lot of vitamin D tests this last year, and probably 90% of the ones I ran, people were deficient, 90%. And these are people who, you know, came in because they had autoimmune diseases, or they had hair loss, fatigue, their mood was low. And I'm like, you know what, sometimes we can feel depressed because our vitamin D is low, let's run your vitamin D. And like, I'm talking very deficient, not just like, yeah, it's so sad, right? Because vitamin D is responsible for immune function. It's responsible for your mood, your serotonin. We just talked about thyroid function. And so if you have low vitamin D levels, you're struggling, you're swimming upstream all the time. And so we do our, our general health supplements at Health Pillars, where I always have people starting with vitamin D magnesium and omega-3 and that's kind of like our starter kit for supplements um so with vitamin d i mean there's only a couple of foods i think mushrooms and they don't have a good conversion in the body and then is there another one is there like kelp or something so there's cod liver oil okay as i'm saying this cod liver yeah it's like the cod fish oil i I know what you're yeah i know what you're talking about i'm pretty sure you said it correctly i'm just now having the same that does have a good amount of vitamin D as well. And the nice thing about, and fatty fish do, the nice thing about that is you need, it's a fat soluble vitamin. So you need fat to actually absorb vitamin D from your intestine into your bloodstream. The other component that goes with that with low vitamin D is why, right? I see this so often where people are put on high dose medications for low vitamin D and it still doesn't go up. So then you have to ask, what's the root cause again? And so knowing that's a fat soluble vitamin, we have to ask, is there enough bile or gallbladder and healthy liver function to actually get this to be absorbed? Are they taking it with food? Are they taking it in an oil? Are they taking it in the morning at night? Right? Like there's all these things that need to be discussed that often go missed. Mm -hmm. And that is vitamin D is, we could probably do podcasts on each of these and maybe we will. The vitamin D one is a great conversation. And so any of you guys picked up on that, if you're supplementing with vitamin D, make sure you're taking it with a meal that has healthy fats or buy the supplement where your vitamin D comes in some oil, because there are some good drops and things out there that will already be in an oil-based supplement. 
And the other way to get vitamin D is get outside in the sunshine. Super important. Get outdoors. Um, get that's, why, that's why we're probably so low in, I'm in BC in Vancouver, but like in the Yukon, wherever you are, I don't get, we don't get a lot of sun down here as much as I like, try. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And then the liver function gallbladder one was a good comment too. And yeah, that I actually didn't know that. I will, I, I didn't put one plus one equals two because obviously a fat soluble vitamin needs fats, but if you don't have good bile to absorb fats, then there's the issue right there. So that makes a lot of sense. Have had their gallbladders removed. It's a very common surgery. Mm-hmm. I know a few of my clients have for sure. Yeah. 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 Very cool. All right. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and also our listeners' time. I hope that everyone here has something to put in their back pocket and take home with them. I'm sure they do. And I promise you guys, I will bring Larissa back on because she's a wealth of knowledge. And I think that we should focus on each of these individually. It's really important for us to paint a picture of why your gut health is so important for nutrient absorption. But now we can go into these, you know, a little deeper. We can talk more about thyroid or we can talk more about vitamin D with you guys. So you guys let us know, like, what do you want to hear? Reach out to us on social. And actually that reminds me, where can people find you? And if they want help or they want to chat to you, how can they do that? I know that you take on patients all over BC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So from a social media perspective, my main platform is Instagram and my handle is at naturally Larissa. I'm also trying to be active on TikTok. Mm -hmm. You know, Instagram is my main platform though. And I also have a website. It's www.naturallylarissa.com. And you can book. So if you're a resident in BC, we can do a telehealth appointment. Or if you live in the lower mainland, my practice is in Burnaby, BC. Yeah. Love to see anybody. Cool. I love that. Yeah. I know I've already referred a couple of people to you because I know you'll take very good care of them. And I love that. So if you guys just want to give her a follow, she's a wealth of knowledge, posts great information. If you're looking for help for yourself personally, reach out, send her a message, or you can just go to her website and, and book a free consultation with her um, to chat a little bit more about you know, the struggles that you're facing and, and how you might be able to get some help there. That's the one thing that you know really kind of takes it a step above. And we were chatting about this in the back of the Uber, how it's so great to join forces because you, know, you need someone to help people get their nutrition on track. And I know that nutrition has a huge mental, emotional component to it. But I also need to know you know what's going on underneath the surface and you have the ability to do all the lab work and all the homeopathic um, prescribing. So that's really cool. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the chat today. Peace, love, and personal growth, you guys. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to Your Vibrant Life Podcast. I had so much fun and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to catch your weekly dose of health and wellness. If you found value in this episode, the number one thing you can do to support the show is to share this episode with someone who could benefit or leave a review. If you'd like to find out more about the online programs and services available at Health Pillars, go to healthpillars.ca and click Let's Work Together to fill out an application. I'd love to help you create your vibrant life. The Samsung Neo QLED 8K TV featuring incredible color volume with 8K AI upscaling powered by 20 neural networks on an impossibly slim screen is the kind of TV that's so visually astounding, so unfathomably well designed, it has to be seen to be believed. Don't believe me? Well, okay then. Radio has its limits. 
Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good.